What is up, church? Come on. Who's excited for today? Come on. I'm excited. I'm excited. But can we pray? Can we pray? Father, I just want to thank you for this time that we're about to spend together. God, I pray that you use me right now, God, that you speak through me, Lord. Father, I pray for any new person or for any person who's been here for a long time, God, but they've developed a hard heart, Father. God, I pray that tonight you soften that heart, Lord. God, I pray that with every word that you speak through me, Father, God, I pray that there is a seed that is planted, Father. But God, I pray that whatever is learned and whatever is said here tonight, Lord, God, I pray that this isn't just a sermon, this isn't just a talk, Lord, but this is something that they can use, Lord, to get closer to you, Father, to build their relationship with you, Lord. So Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for everything that you're about to do. We pray this in your precious name. And all of God's precious children said, Amen. You guys can take a seat. You guys can take a seat. Come on, I am excited. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I love preaching God's word. I think it's the best thing ever. But come on, I remember, can I, before we start, I remember when I first came to the church, um at View City, Matthew used to always do this thing where in the beginning of his sermon, he would just honor. Like he would just honor someone. And I thought, wow, that is so cool. I, I, that is awesome. Like, you know, he acknowledges the people that serves in God's house. So can I honor tonight? Can I honor some people? Awesome. Can we stop by honoring our lead pastors, Pastor Andre and Leanne? Come on, Pastor Andre, we honor you not just being the person you are, but for your leadership. I think I, anyone who knows me well, any of the kids guys will know that if I start talking about leadership, we're not going to stop talking. But honestly, that's all, that's all because of sitting in those staff meetings and just hearing nuggets of leadership. So I'm, I'm super grateful. Come on. Can we honor, can we honor Dieter? Dieter, come on. Dieter, come on. I don't think Dieter's realized how much of a role he's played in my life. Like, honestly, Dieter, I look at you from afar and I say, wow, sure, your work ethic, the way, the way you speak to people, I just, like, honestly, Dieter, we honor you. Come on. Come on. And then can I, can I, can I honor the Berry family? Come on. Come on, the Berry family, oh, they're the best. Honestly, I remember God told me I need to be in Cape Town. My whole family was moving to, her, to Johannesburg. And they were like, you know what, Subs, we'll take you and you can come live with us. And I just thought, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you guys. I don't see you guys. It's just people I live with. I see you guys as my spiritual parents. I really appreciate you. Come on. But, like, I think it's important to honor. I think honoring, honoring people, it, it just, it's so important. And it just, it really just, it shows how much you value people. And actually, it shows that God is working through people. So if you ever get into a season where you actually doubt people, start honoring people. Find someone in your life and just honor them. Okay, I'm ready to start. Are you guys ready? Awesome. If you are reading with me, you can turn to John 4. John 4. Now, I'm going to read it from here, but as I read, I need to warn you guys, the Bible comes alive to me every time I read it. <laughs> so if I start, like, you know, putting an accent here, just, just know, just know, the Bible is coming alive to me. Is that cool? It's a biblical accent. It's a biblical accent. I'm thinking, since I've been living with the berries, I better pull like an English accent, hey? 
We've got we've got some Germans as well here, so maybe like pull a German accent. Uh, <laughs> awesome. So we're gonna read we're gonna read from verse seven, just to give you context. So Jesus is currently in Judea, and he finds out that um, John the Baptist has been arrested, and so he's rushing over to um, to Galilee to go to John the Baptist, and on his way there he goes through a town called a, a country rather called Samaria and we're gonna carry on from verse 7 when he amount, where he encounters a Samaritan woman verse 7 says a woman from Samaria came to draw water Jesus said to her give me a drink the Samaritan woman said to him how is it that you a Jew ask for a drink from me a woman of Samaria verse 10 says Jesus answered if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given, he would have given you living water. Now, I reckon this woman is, is like, what, dude, what, what you saying, okay? In verse, in verse 11, the woman said, sir. Everyone say, sir. She's like, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the wall is deep and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself. As did his sons his, and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. Ooh. And at this point, I'm sure this woman's like, Who is this man? Like, what's, you know? And then Jesus says, the water, yeah, will be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, everyone say, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Awesome. I love that. So we see in the previous in the in the in the first first little part how jesus was actually led to samaria so D jesus didn't just go to samaria but he was actually led to samaria just to give you guys some context samaria was a place where a lot of people avoided in the old testament a lot of people avoided samaria purely because they thought the people there were uncleansed and they were like you know it wasn't the best place to be it's like that one park you walk past you know, you're just like no i'd rather go around or like that one road you'd like rather drive around, I'd, never, I'd not rather, I wouldn't drive through this road because it's not safe, you know? So it's like, it's, that, it's like that place. But Jesus was actually led to go to that place. And the, the cool thing is, Jesus was actually led to go to that place because he was meant to go to Galilee, right? To go to John the Baptist. Now some of you might be thinking, well, maybe it was a shortcut. Yeah? Maybe it was a shortcut. But actually, I believe Jesus was led to that place and he was rushing. He, need, he needed to get to John the Baptist. He needed to see John the Baptist. And the more I was reading the, reading the story, I realized something. How often is it that in our lives, when we're rushing towards something or we're going towards something, we shut off our spiritual life completely? Like when life happens to us, when we find out about bad things that, 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 that erupted, you find out that someone's in hospital. You find out that a family member just died. 
you find out that your kid is sick. It's like we shut off ourselves spiritually. And our main thing is, I just need to get to that place. I don't need anyone with, I don't need anyone's distraction right now. I just need to get to that place. And I believe if Jesus was led by emotion, he would have missed the Samaritan woman completely. And that's my question to you guys. Are you allowing yourself, even in hard times, when life happens, are you allowing yourself to be led by the Spirit? Or do you shut it off completely because you want to find your healing? You want to fulfill yourself? Who is leading you? You see, because of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman, that whole town got saved. Just one encounter. Now think about it. Let's look, let's, let's, let's bring this closer to home. Your workplace, your school. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us in our workplace and our schools? Or, has, or are you only allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you during worship? <laughs> are you only allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you when you're about to come serve? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you in your workplace? You see, in tough seasons, we build testimonies that have the ability to change someone's life. That's what happened with this woman. She built a testimony. She encountered God, and as soon as she encountered God, she went and she shared it with her whole town, and her whole town got saved. Now, I've got this thing. On a Sunday, we always speak about connection. Let's connect with each other. You know, and I, I always feel like it's a competition. I always feel like, you know, how many people can you connect with? I connected with 15 people today. Awesome. I connected with five people today. But I think when we make it a competition, when we make it a thing of we're going to try and connect with as many people as possible, actually you lose out on connecting with people, like truly forming deep, meaningful relationships with people. So I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you, actually. On a Sunday, when we connect with people, can you find one person? Can you find just one person? We've seen all the new people. We love our new people here. But can we connect with that one person? And you get to know that person left and inside out. You get to know that person. What's your name? Where are you from? Where's your family from? Hey, can I get you connected to a view group? Come to my view group. You know, get them connected. So often we try and connect with 15 different people. And then we end up not making connections. We're not, we, don't, we don't make meaningful connections. Or we just don't connect with people at all. We're just like, you know what, someone else is connecting with them. My favorite one is when we connect with someone, and then we take them to someone else, and we say, connect with this person. <laughs> and that person takes them to someone else. Guys, Jesus connected with one woman. It took one woman to change a whole town. If Jesus had to connect with one woman, what more do we need to connect with one woman? Jesus didn't have to connect. I mean, not one woman. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, I'm sorry. With one person, with one person, with one person. If Jesus had to connect with one person, what more do we have to connect with one person? Come on. Grace, 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 grace. <laughs> Come on. We need to make deep, meaningful relationships. It just takes one person. One person in your workplace. It just takes one person. You see, he didn't connect with the Jew or anyone of social importance, he connected with a broken woman. You see, I, this story reminds me of a time where, before I even came to church, I had, actually before I came to church, 90% of my friends were probably atheists. 
Probably 10% were like sold out Christians. And I remember this one, my one friend, every time I go to his house, do you know what he would do? He'd leave his Bible open. Every time I'd walk into his house, I'd just find an open Bible. I'm like, oh, really, dude, are we doing this? And he was like, yo, dude, I was reading Revelations. Okay, oh, Jesse, jeez, dude. <laughs> At that point, I didn't know what Revelations was, but it took one person, and he was constantly inviting me. Dude, come to church. Come to church. Whenever I was having a bad day, dude, can I pray for you? At this point, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus at all. I was, I was actually, I was going through a very hard period of, of, of my life during that time. And he would constantly pray over me. Tabelo, you guys, you guys know Tabelo. I love Tabelo. And I remember the one day, I always say Tabelo tricked me to come into church. He, he invited me over to his house. He was like, dude, we're going to chill. We're just going to play, we're just going to play FIFA. And I'm like, oh, dude, I don't want to come. Like, you know, I haven't showered. I'm just, I'm chilling, I'm chilling. And he's like, dude, just come over. So I was like, okay, cool. And at this point, things at home were hard financially. My family was making the move to Johannesburg. School was difficult. And I was just like, oh, man. So I go over. And as I get to Tabelo's house, I see him coming out the driveway. And I'm like, no, 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 I didn't agree to this. This better just be Tabelo's mom. And Tabelo's in the car. And he's like, dude, come in the car. I get in the car, and I make it very clear to him, to Bello, I am not getting out of this car. And he's like, dude, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm like, Tubbs, I'm not getting out this car. He's like, okay, cool. Okay, cool. And then I'm like, where are we going? He's like, don't worry about it. And we pull over. We pull up at the church, and I'm like, this guy. And actually, because of that one constant connection, I gave my life to Jesus that night. Because of that one... You see, Tabelo, Tabelo wasn't worried about getting 15 other people. He was just focused on the one. He was just focused on the one. And now I have the privilege of actually getting to do this now. You know? So who is your one? Turn to the person next to you and ask, who is your one? Awesome. You see, another thing is that Jesus remained flexible and sensitive to the Spirit. Not his emotions. Jesus was sensitive to the Spirit. When life happened, Jesus was sensitive to the Spirit and not his emotions. And we're doing a series now called Change Your World. Come on, somebody. I've been loving this series. But here's the thing. If we want to make a sustainable change in our world, we need to remain flexible to the Holy Spirit. If we want to make a change in our world, we need to remain flexible to the Holy Spirit. And actually, if we look at Genesis 2 verse 9, everyone say to your neighbor, Genesis 2 verse 9, it says, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. Oh, we love food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which brings me to my, my first point. What are you connected to? Now, a lot of you have heard about the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? But can we, can we quickly discuss it some more? Okay, do you know that the tree of the knowledge of knowledge of good and evil has good? It's in the name, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
Now, remember earlier on when I told you 90% of my friends were atheists? They were actually good people. They were good people. They gave, not to the church, but they would, they would go to charities and they would give. They'd give away their clothes. They'd give a bit of money. Whenever. They, were, they did good things. But the thing is, they weren't connected to God. See, now here's the thing. If you do good and you're connected to God, that good won't be sustainable. That good will actually build up entitlement. That good will, is, is actually not sustainable, that it won't grow. But actually, when we're eating from the tree of life, when we do good, we're connected with God. And suddenly, our good doesn't come from a place of, oh, I want to do good, but it comes from a place where we're overflowing with God. So if you're overflowing with God, you can, and you're connected with God, your good is actually sustainable. And you can actually change your world with that good. You see, it's not, it's not a sustainable good if it's not, if Jesus is not the foundation of that good. It's not. You see, Jesus' goodness came from a place of obedience. Jesus' goodness came from a place of obedience. Because he was obedient to the Holy Spirit, he was able to have a life-changing encounter with the Samaritan woman. Church, where is your goodness coming from? When we serve on a Sunday, I had this, this conversation with the kids team earlier. When we serve on a, on a Sunday, <clears throat> where, is that, where is that coming from? Are we serving from a place of, oh, we want to look good? Or oh, I'm serving at a church? Or are we actually serving from a place where we're connected with God? Because when you're serving from a place where you're just like, you know, I'm serving to look good. You're putting on that mask on a Sunday, and I'm, I'm going to serve. That's not sustainable. And eventually, you're just going to hit a rock. And then what's going to happen is that you're going to build entitlement. And when you build entitlement, you're going to take offense. And when you take offense, it just shows that you're not rooted, and you're going to leave the church. So it's important to make sure that we are connected with God. And that we are obedient to God. And that's my question. When you're serving, which tree are you eating? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life? My second point is, what fruits are you producing? You see, when you eat from the tree of life, you produce sustainable fruit. You produce sustainable fruit. How do you produce? Because you're connected with God. And... When you're connected to Jesus and eat from the tree of life, you produce the fruits of the Spirit. So how do, I, how, do I know that, how do I know that I'm actually eating from the tree of life? How do I know that I'm actually serving well? How do I know if my intentions are good? It's simple. You find it in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. You see, when you're eating from the tree of life, your life will reflect the fruits of the Spirit. And 
if we're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, like I said earlier, we build a wall. We build that wall of entitlement. And then all of a sudden, it's, you're, not, you're no longer serving a house, but now you're just entitled to a room. Now it's, this is my room. You can't touch my room. This is my room. This, no, you can't serve you. I'm sorry. You're going you're gonna to mess up the room. Suddenly it becomes, you become entitled to it. And as soon, if you find yourself becoming entitled to a room, I, I honestly suggest just step back a bit. Just step back. I would even go, go as far as saying step back a bit and maybe just find another room to serve. Because you don't want to be entitled to a room. We want to serve the house. Are you guys still with me? Are you guys still good? Come on, I love preaching God's word. Who loves God's word? I love God's word. The third thing is that what seeds are you planting? If we read in John 4, verse 2, you guys can turn to John 4. Come on. John 4, verse 2 says, They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what she said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick did an interview, and in this interview, T.D. Jakes said to Stephen Furtick, as a mentor, the people that you're mentoring are going to hear God's voice through you, but your job is to shift that voice, is to, is to shift them to hearing God's voice for themselves. Church, people will hear God's voice through us, but it's our job to direct them to God's voice. In your schools, people are going to hear God's voice through you. You carry you. You are the church. They're going to hear God's voice through you. If you have the fruit, if you if you're showing the fruits of the spirit, they're going to hear God's voice through you. They're going to see God through you. But it's important that we shift that we shift them to hearing God's voice for themselves. Like like that story I told about Tabelo. I, I was hearing God's voice through Tabelo without even realizing he was planting seeds in my heart. But then when he invited me to church, suddenly I started hearing God's voice for myself. Same thing with the Samaritan woman. She encountered Jesus herself. And then she went out and she told everyone. And then what did they say? It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves. And we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Are you planting sustainable seeds or are you planting temporary seeds? You see, because if, when you eat from the tree of life, people are going to hear God's voice clearly in your life. And they're going to be like, whoa, what are you doing? Actually, I want to follow you. I could have easily turned around when we got to the church and be like, oh, I actually don't want to do this. But because Sibylla had planted so many seeds, I was like, actually, let me give this a try. And when you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what well, those, those, um, who? The people won't actually hear God's voice through you. They'll get an idea of it, but they won't be, uh, they'll be like, oh, uh, this guy's a bit inconsistent. Yeah. One day he's like this, the next day he's like that, and then all of a sudden they, they're not hearing God's voice through you. You see, our job is to plant, but our, our, our job is to plant, but our job is not to water. 
Water gives life. And we are actually called to plant. And if we read in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 to 9, it says, Jesus says, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. See, church, if you watering a seed, if you water your seed, chances are you've planted a seed that's not going to produce life. If you have to go, if you have to open those, if you have to break doors open, if you have to force things, chances are those, those are just your personal seeds. Those are your personal agendas. But actually, when we plant seeds and we allow God to water those seeds, and we allow God to breathe his breath into those seeds, those are seeds that will produce sustainable growth. Those are seeds that are going to produce sustainable change in our nation, in our church, in our schools. You see, your job is to plant. God waters and he provides the life. Which brings me to what type of seeds are you planting? What type of seeds are you planting in your workplace? What type of seeds are you planting in our church? What type of seeds are you planting? Are your seeds sustainable? Are your seeds sustainable? So I remember, again, I'm going back to the first few times I came to the church. I remember I, I, I enjoyed it so much. And I remember after that, there was just a spiritual fast tracking in my life. Like I'd wake up in the morning, like early, early, early hours of the morning, and I'd just start writing. God would be speaking to me, and I'd just start writing. And then I actually got to a point where there was sort of a spiritual cap, if I can say, where it was slowed down. And I was like, whoa, what's, what's happening? And I remember I came here on a Sunday, and we were praying, like the staff was praying for everyone. And I decided, okay, cool, I'm going to go pray. And the thing that I was praying for, I was like, hey, you can just pray for school. You know, I'm chill. Just pray for school, pray for family. And I remember I went to Chris. And Chris prayed for me. And when he prayed for me, he mentioned my father. Now, just to give you a backstory, I never grew up with a father. I don't know who my father is. But for, for a long time in my life, I was carrying that hurt. I was, I was carrying that anger. And I remember he mentioned my father. And I just, obviously, I didn't cry in the moment. But like, <laughs> but my heart just like, it just, it just, it was like, what? There was, my heart sort of like broke, but in a good way. And I remember that the prayer, he was like, I hope you can realize that your father's in heaven. And I remember I went straight to Tobelo. I was like, what are you telling these people about me? <laughs> right? <laughs> and his tabs was like, dude, I didn't tell them anything about you. Like, why don't you go speak to him? So I was like, cool. I went and I spoke to Chris. Then after that, I, went, I, went, I was very intentional about my journey. I started reading books about healing. I, I started being more intentional about my prayer. Because before that, actually, a lot, of, a lot of the times, my prayer, I couldn't refer to God as my father. And I didn't realize that how damaged I was. 
I'd always pray, Jesus, we love you, Jesus, my Savior. But it was never God the Father. It was Holy Spirit, lead me, but it was never God my Father. It was never personal like that. And then suddenly, after that prayer, there was, it broke. And I realized that that, that hardened heart that I developed, that one area of my life of unforgiveness, had actually made me, I wasn't, it limited my flexibility. I wasn't able to, to, to speak about certain things. I wasn't able to do certain things. I wasn't able to, to get into certain conversations because my heart was hard. But then suddenly, that broke. And I found myself now sharing my testimony. I find myself now speaking to kids without fathers and actually guiding them through it. You see, I don't know what hurt or anger or, or pain you, you might have developed in the past where it's just hardened your heart. And it's sort of like put a cap on your spiritual growth. And now you find it hard to get into certain conversations or you find it hard to forgive or you find yourself constantly taking offense but I want to encourage you, church, for us to be flexible spiritually. Because Jesus, Jesus was flexible when he went to Samaria. He could have chosen the other route. He could, have, he, could have skipped. he could have done anything else. But because he was flexible, he encountered a broken Samaritan woman. Is there something in your life right now that's limiting your spiritual growth? And I want to encourage you, find someone. Speak to them. Get yourself in a view group. Find a mentor. Get counseling. Because if you don't, that thing's going to eat you up and eat you up. And I, I actually think had those chains not broken in my heart, I probably wouldn't be here today. I probably would have been, I probably would have lived a bitter life. I probably wouldn't, you know, one day if I ever have kids, I probably wouldn't be able to raise my kids probably because of that, of that hardness my relationship with God probably wouldn't be the same. I probably would have had, um, I really probably wouldn't be here. So church, I encourage you right now. If there's something in your, in your life that you can tell, actually this is, a, this is causing a disconnect between me and God, I encourage you. And we're going to pray later, but I encourage you, come, come to the prayer night. Grief share. We've got all these things designed just for you. And we're going to go into some practical steps now, four quick practical steps on how to remain flexible. And the first thing is that start every day in God's presence. Every day. Start every day in God's presence. I've got this thing actually on my phone where version actually sends me scripture. So the first, even if I wake up in the middle of the night, the first thing that I see is scripture. If I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I cannot read my Bible this morning, I'm late. The first thing that I see on my phone is scripture. And I have to listen to at least one worship song. Just one. Just one worship song. And pray. Scripture, pray, and worship. The second thing is discover your purpose. We've got growth track. Come on. I, I love growth track. Growth track is... 
I met some of my best friends at Growth Track. Uh, I got planted and I started serving because of Growth Track. I discovered my spiritual gifts because of Growth Track. They didn't put me in the cafe because of Growth Track. Everyone knows if I was in the cafe, you guys would not like our food here. Okay, but to be fair, can I tell you guys a quick story? I'm running out of time. I was in cafe for probably one weekend, and yeah, that was it. That, <laughs> yeah. They didn't call me back, I didn't go back. We, I think we had a mutual understanding. But discover your purpose. I fell in love with kids. I love kids' church, you know? We've got, we've got the best kids' church. I love our youth, we've got the best youth. Come on, somebody. Discover your purpose. The third thing is find a community. I was sitting with Pastor Andre on, on Thursday and he said something so profound and I love that. He said, your destiny is determined, is determined by your circle. Who is in your community? It's so important to get plugged into community. Brendan, I love Brendan. Brendan's awesome. Brendan's like one of my best friends. You know? Find yourself. Find yourself a community, a place where actually you can be open. You can, you can take that mask off. You can ask those questions. Find a community. And number four, be available. Just be available. So, I remember we had a Grow conference last year. And everyone in the room was getting duties. Like, ah, oh, this is cool. Chris looked at me, he's like, Subs, you're in toilets. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, I promise I can speak to people. <laughs> but in that moment, I actually decided, you know what? I'm going to make sure that those are the cleanest toilets anyone has ever seen. But listen, it's, my point is, you just have to be available. If it means you need to sweep outside, sweep outside. If it means you have to put these things on stage, do it. Just do it. Be available. Be flexible. Allow God to use you. We have, we're launching Camps Bay. I'm excited for Camps Bay. And I, I, I want to honor our Camps Bay team because the dates, the dates have been moved and the, the team is just, they're not despondent. They're like subs. We still want to serve. Here, here's some of our Camps Bay here. Michael Jordan. Come on. Listen, but the team has been so flexible and they just, they still want to serve. They're available. Church, I encourage you, be available. You see, God used a broken woman. I had a broken past. God uses the, don't look at your brokenness and despise it. God uses that. He wants to use you. But he just needs you to be available. He wants you. He wants your brokenness. He wants your brokenness. So can we all just close our eyes? <clears throat> now, I don't know what part in your life right now you need healing in. I don't know if you came to church today wearing a mask. I don't know what's broken inside of you. But I do know that Jesus wants to heal you. I do know that Jesus wants to use you.
So right now, we're just gonna, just one minute of worship, and I want you to declare these words over your life. I want you to declare these words over your brokenness. Come on. person in this room, Lord. God, I pray for each and every person that feels broken. I pray for each and every person in this room who's got a mask on. God, I pray that in this moment, Lord, that they can just be vulnerable to you, Lord. Father, that you can just soften their hearts, Father. Father, that you can just show them how much you love them, Lord. Do what only you can do, God. Do what only you can do, God. Now, there's some of you in this room right now that might not necessarily know this Jesus I've been talking about. Some of you that haven't had an encounter with God. And I remember my first time when I had that encounter with God, I remember just telling Him everything. I remember just telling him, God, I feel broken. I remember telling him, God, I don't know what to do. So if you're in this room right now, you can feel, you can feel your hands sweating a bit. You can feel God's presence right now. And you've never made that decision before to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. With every eye closed, can you just pop your hand up? With every eye closed, no one's looking. We worship, come on. Every eye closed. Come on. Come on, church. Repeat after me. Jesus, I admit that you are my Lord and Savior. 
Jesus, I believe, Jesus, I believe that you died, you died on the cross, the cross for my sins, for my, sins, for my brokenness, for my, brokenness for, my for my shame. Jesus, I choose you. I choose to walk with you. I choose to live a life that glorifies you. I choose you, Jesus. Come on, we pray this in your precious name. And if God's precious children said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, honor to Belo. Yeah, I got to sit with Belo on Thursday and listen to his message. And it was so good, I actually tried to distract him. Just say, like, yeah, I wouldn't use that, bro. I don't even know if that's in the Bible. And, and then I just used it in my message this morning. Anyway. But I thought that was amazing. Come on, one more time, let's honor him. Just, just even as Sabelo prayed for people who are responding, coming to Jesus. Just remember this. You receive Jesus as your Savior. And salvation is not only receiving forgiveness from Jesus. You put him as number one on your list. Maybe Jesus be number three, four, five, ten. Salvation is receiving your forgiveness and making him the Lord of your life. He gets to number one on your list. So that's what you did tonight. For some of you, maybe you prayed it quietly, but that's what you, you need to do. Maybe you've realized Jesus is not number one on your list. He's not the Lord of your life. And, and you need, you're saying, I want to return to him. I want to receive his forgiveness and make him the Lord of my life. And that's what you're doing.